Welcome to the Linguist Lounge, a podcast dedicated to all us world language teachers who want a place for ideas, humor, and professional development. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out in the field of language education, we aim to offer valuable insights and practical tips to help you improve your teaching skills that will better connect you with your students and your craft. From classroom strategies and lesson planning to cultural immersion and technology integration, we cover it all in a fun, quick, and engaging way that will leave you feeling inspired and motivated to take your teaching to the next level. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Linguist Lounge. This week for episode five, I'm Luke. I'm Billy. And I'm Heather. And this week we are here to bring you some information about engagement. And for those of you who are either not teachers or maybe have, I I don't know where I was going with that statement, honestly. I feel like, I feel like we all know what engagement is. Well, so, or how it applies to our specific fields, like not necessarily just in teaching. Oh, true, 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 true. Teacher. Um, I saw where you were going. I think that to give you like a little bit of a background, a little bit of introduction is, I mean, we all know, especially in world language, I, I don't want to make a generalization because it's definitely not true for everyone. I'm, I'm certain, but engagement is really something we grapple with on a daily basis, because if people are, don't care about what you're talking to, there's no way they're going to buy in. So, um, I would love to just kind of talk through some ways. Well, first I want to talk through some barriers to engagement and then offer you some solutions to helping get your engagement back on track or helping get your kids to buy in to what you're, what you're selling them, what you're pitching them. Um, and so I thought just as, uh, like a first, first sex section segment kind of thing is we could just kind of break down some of those barriers that are things that inhibit people from being engaged. So what are some of the barriers to engagement that the world language classroom experiences? The first one is lack of relevance. So, what I mean by that is if you're teaching something and you're making it uh, very, uh, let's say, very general. So if I'm teaching about food and I'm just talking about, I'm just giving you vocabulary words with no context whatsoever, that could not be less relevant to a person. I mean, I, I would I would think that in a lot of ways that kids would become become very unengaged or disengaged just because of the fact that you're just offering them vocabulary without context. Um, or if we're just introducing like a, a grammar concept, like for, for us in Spanish, a lot of times for me, it's the past tense. Like if I'm just giving you past tense and just telling you how to conjugate those verbs and I'm not telling you like what the context is of using them or how we use them together or any of that, then that can be just like really like, I mean, as a person, I would be like, I don't think this has any value for me whatsoever. Yeah, like the why. Right. The why behind it. Like why it's important. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of times that that really does create a lot of uh, problems with engagement just because we're not giving them the relevance of the thing uh, or the practicality of a thing. So if you're providing some sort of like, um, well, we'll go back to the past tense verbs things. If you're not giving them like, this is what it would be like in a conversation or in context, then that would be like, you're just teaching grammar in a, in a vacuum. A, a vacuum. Absolutely. And I think that that really does create a lot of problems with like engagement. And, um, especially because that's not what our desire or our goal is. Our it's goal is, hard. it's hard to not offer a solution at the same time as a problem. Do you want to switch to how we do that? Or do you want to go just do all the problems first. And we can do that. Because yep. um, that is a huge problem. And it kind of reminds me of how I do my vocabulary. So I do use Quizlet a lot for vocabulary, but in the 
I always give my vocabularies in context, like in a sentence. So like, and then I only define the new words. So like if mm-hmm. a sentence says, I want to go to the store and store is our new vocabulary word, I just define that sentence as store because they know the phrase I want to, but that way they know the context of it or whatever. You right. know what I mean? Right. So it's not just a word standing by itself and they don't know because yeah. I don't spend a lot mm-hmm. of time because German, for those of you who don't know, has a trillion does. <laughs> um, and I don't spend time uh, covering them because it's super boring. And right. It, there is really no why to it. Um, and so I just give it to them in a sentence and that way they know in that case it's Dame, but in other cases it's Dare. The really clever kids ask why, but in right. yeah, that way they, they want the answer and so they'll get the answer, but that way I don't bore everybody else. Right. With the yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That's definitely, I mean, I've, I've stopped teaching. Uh, I don't want to say I've stopped teaching it, but I've stopped like specifically teaching things like articles yeah. Because it just, it really is boring. Like yeah. I found over the course of my career that if I'm bored by it, I cannot even begin to imagine how boring it is to those students. Yeah. When I find myself bored, I was like, the kids were probably bored yeah. five, ten minutes ago right. before yeah. me. Yeah. Right. I mean, even to the sense, like I, I, I will spend some time talking about the alphabet, but I don't do like a big, long alphabet thing. When I was in high school, I remember that that was something we spent a lot of time on was with the alphabet. And I was like, that's that's great. But I mean, just the sound of the letter is different. And it does, to be fair, it does help when you, because in Spanish, it's, it's phonetically consistent. So all the letters make the same now, same sound, no matter where they are and whatever, what what word, but, and it is helpful, but in the same way, it's just like, I don't know. It, it's boring to me and I don't find it interesting. So yeah. I feel and like in context would teach them. Right. That's the thing. Talking about right. why, you know, so connect language learning to real life situations and yeah. student interests. Yeah. That's another thing is um, we, we talked about this before, but if I'm teaching you something and you, you feel like it has no value to you whatsoever outside of this class that you're taking right now, then it I've lost you. You know, I want to give you like a little bit of, um, I want to give you a a way to use it so that when you go and you travel, because most of these kids, they may not have any other interaction with the language other than just like traveling. Um, And so I think in order for them to have, get some value out of it, I have to create a way for them to be able to like use it in context effectively. And also the, the, another part of that was to connect it to their interests. So to find out on the front end, what do you like? What are you interested in? Especially in like the hobbies. One, right. Like right. To collect their hobbies and use. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, even to the sense of, you know, if I'm teaching about, I keep using food, but that just seems to be the thing that like pops into my mind every time. But if I'm teaching about food, like, and a kid is really into sports, then maybe I can find some sort of, some sort of like authentic resource. And that's another thing is make sure they're authentic, but I can find some sort of authentic resource about like, a famous soccer player's favorite food or a favorite uh, basketball player's favorite restaurant or something. So it, it sort of like ties those two interests together. So they're getting the input from the food, but they're also getting the input from their interests. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I, and that's something that I found has been really like good for the students is, is being able to like identify what you like and then tie it back to the thing we're talking about. So um, another thing is to... Uh, I already said this, but to incorporate in authentic materials such as videos, articles, and music that reflect the target language culture and current events. So th- I mean, a lot of times we use a lot of really like antiquated, outdated material, Tesla. you know. Yes. And I think I've talked about this before, but something that have I've always been really like struck by in in my career is just the fact that there are so many interesting things out there that I didn't create. You know, like I, I think it's it would be so much more valuable and, and interesting and useful 
for someone to be reading or watching or listening to something that is authentic than it would be for me to have constructed it myself. Um, and I think a lot of times it it's it might be easier to do that just because it, it you don't have to search for it. But if you can find something, you can use it year over year over year and then just update it as needed. But I do think that that's really important, especially if you're teaching. Um, it may not be as important in like a lower division class because a lot of that stuff would be really difficult. You'd have to give them like a lot of the like grammatical ideas and like you well, have to. You can also like with resources like for what is it? Um. Like Nearpad, when you can mm-hmm. combine the, like if you find an authentic video or whatever, but it doesn't oh, have yeah. questions. Ed in it, like puzzle. Ed puzzle. puzzle yeah. yeah. To put yours in there. So yeah. like a combo of like oh, yeah. creating it slash, yeah. you know, making sure you give them credit and whatnot, mm-hmm. but like a combination of the thing. And also like lean into people that have done this before. So like, I mean, Delia and I are really good at this. Heather and I can't do it so much. Like we can't <laughs> do it with Heather as much because she teaches a different language than we do, but you go to someone else and ask them, Hey, what do you have for this thing? Because a lot of times they'll be glad to share it with you, obviously within, within reason and also without breaking any copyright like laws or anything. But if, if I can share something that I already have with you, I think that's going to help set you up to be. And even like Delia and I have done, we've kind of gotten into this pattern of being like, I'm about to teach this thing. Can you give me everything you have about this thing? Mm -hmm. And that's really been helpful too, because there might be one day where I'm lacking on something. Like I need something, I need a five minute, 10 minute activity. And she's like, oh, I have the perfect thing. And I'm like, this is why I love her. (laughs) Cause we, you really do. I mean, you know, that's sort of like the, the interwoven theme of this whole podcast is like, really, we have each other. So we should use it. We should, we should lean into that and use each other. Which I know um, I can use like the ideas that they have. Like it is another, like, obviously I just would put it into my language. So like the ideas or like when I see y'all out in the hallway, I'm like, I want to do something out in the hallway. And, yeah. You know, can take the idea. I have to modify it, obviously. But, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Do you have, do either of you have anything else you'd like to say about relevance or anything that you would like to add? Well, I think, I, I feel like this falls under this to be relevant. Absolutely. I mean, I think the whole, a successful world language class is whether, whether you intentionally do it or not is always centered around the thing, a central thing, right? So you can go as simple as food, but like what what I think go on the next step of being like, I'm not just going to give them a list of food vocabulary, which I actually do, but I'm not going to say memorize this list. That's how it was done to me in high school. Memorize this list of food if we're talking about food, but like tell a story about it. Mm-hmm. Go to the market. So something that I'm workshopping over this summer is to tie in the cultural piece. Like, all right. You have to go shopping and and make some, make a dinner right. for your host family or something. You're in this country. Here's the food. You know, food right. that's available and make it relevant. But I think storytelling is really really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's a trend moving towards centering units around a central story. Um, I don't necessarily go that far, but I definitely am really trying to do more reading right. in my classes, and so definitely stories, but also storytelling. I mean, I love the opportunity to get to tell students um a story about an experience i had right this particular theme that we're talking about and i'll um i'll get more into that and how and how i do that a little bit later but yeah i mean storytelling that is cohesive right and it's relevant it's like okay now i've heard this story or or i've read this story and i can see how this grammar or vocabulary aspect is gonna help me get through that type of situation right and also i just want to try to provide like some resources for people. I will try to remember to put these in the show notes, but something that I have found is really, really good. I can't, I can only say for Spanish. 
I'm sorry, everyone that teaches a different language. Heather, I'm so sorry. It's just that there are so many Spanish teachers. Yeah. And we have done a good job of like creating things. But two things that I know for a fact that anybody would benefit from using are number number one, News ELA. I think some, some people call it News Ella. But they have like current events um, articles that you can uh, sort by Lexile level. And then you can, most of them are available in Spanish as well. So that is have really. Something like that. Nice. Okay. You'll have German, to German speaking. World. You'll have to remind me of that name so I can put it in the shout outs. Yeah. It has a it has a lot of resources. It also has like a language, like little videos mm-hmm. and things like that that um kind of go along with it, but it also has relevant like news articles and langsam gesprochene Nachrichten. I'll have to send you this. Yeah, that There's... you're definitely gonna have to send me that one. <laughs> Just means slowly spoken news. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> that actually is excellent because there is so uh another thing that is really helpful to that that the kids have really enjoyed and that I've really enjoyed like playing sometimes is if you have like an extra like 15 or or 16 minutes, something like that, Duolingo has a podcast and it is like for learning Spanish. And I love it so much because it's, it tells you the, the name of the podcast is, is sort of like an idea of like what it's about. So there's like stuff about food, stuff about sports, there's stuff about just, I mean, celebrities, there's all kinds of stuff. bull running, which I think was really an excellent episode. And they go, so they, they have an intermediate level speaker or a, it's an intermediate level Spanish, I should say. And this, the person that's telling the story, he tells this part of the story and then someone interjects in English to give clarification. So it gives you that authentic input, but it also gives that scaffolding that's so necessary when you're learning a language. And so there's words that you definitely know and there's words that you definitely don't. And they do a really good job of like coming back in and being like, just so that, you know, this is what he was talking about. You know, it's, it's way better than what I just described it as because I'm the worst <laughs> descriptor. Little yeah. It's and it is a dual Duolingo Spanish, Spanish language podcast. And it's really excellent. They have one for French as well. Um, that is really, I, I, I don't know a lot of French, but it, I would assume it's just as good because Duolingo is great. And then another thing is anything that Martina Bex has put out in a comprehensible classroom, she has an entire set of current events, um, Spanish like current event articles that she has written. I think they're available on Teachers Pay Teachers. I believe it's called Mundo en Tus Manos, but I could be making that up. I, it's it's definitely like the world in your hands or something. I'll, I will find it and I'll put it in the notes just so that we have that available for you all. But it's it is a, it costs a little bit of money, but you're supporting her, you're supporting her business, and you're getting really high quality stuff that is really good for using in your classroom. If you need a reading comprehension or just like a um, some kind of reading, most of the time or you can even break it down and and they she provides like questions and stuff too. So that's that is really great uh, resource to have. Um, so that's, those are two ways that we can make things or more than two, definitely. I don't know why I said two, but (laughs) those are some ways that we can help make things relevant. Um, another thing is the second thing I should say that I have on my list here is another way that we have, uh, another barrier I should say to engagement in our classrooms can be the lack of student agency. And what I mean by that is if you're not allowing them to choose what they would like to do, like agency is in like, I'm giving multiple things here. I think a lot of times, like I, I know it takes a little bit more work, but it's so much better to have kids be able to choose from a lot of different things, or maybe just like two or three different things than it would be to have everyone do the same thing. Um, and it says, 
I, I have written down here, I should say, a classroom environment that lacks opportunities for student choice, autonomy, and active participation can impede engagement. Students need to feel empowered and have a sense of ownership in their language learning journey to stay engaged and motivated. And I think that that's so important and true because... I, and I say this to them all the time. If I could just take the top of your head and unscrew it and pour information into it, I would do that. Like right. that would make my job so easy, but I don't have the ability to do that. And so you have to take ownership over your own learning. And if we provide them with different ways to do that, I think that that is really beneficial to them. Um, so that might, that might even be something like, okay, here is a, here are two things that you can do. Either you can write about your family. So you can, I can, you can do a, I, I usually do like, when I say paragraph, they're like, oh, so three sentences. I'm like, what kind of paragraph is that? <laughs> I'm like, you know, five to seven, five to seven sentences about your family. Or you can do a, uh, you can do like a Google slides presentation and you can put pictures on there and it, it just gives different sort of learning styles, different ways to like show me that they've mastered the concept. Some kids would rather do the writing and they're, they, they do the writing and they're done. But then there are some kids that would rather, you know, do the. I think it breaks it up a little bit. So it's like one picture and one sentence per slide, other than a half a page worth of writing, 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 writing that they could do. Um, and so I think that is a good way to like increase agency in your classroom. Do you guys have thoughts about that? Um, yeah, I think that the, I don't necessarily know. It's not exactly what you're talking about, but I do feel it, co- it comes into the into play customization for students. So um, as far as output, most of the time, the uh, formal or no, even summative assessment that I do um, has to do with personal questions to them. So taking the topic and the theme that we're talking about, and this goes back to the barrier number one, making it personal to their like overcoming and make it relevant to them. But also they get to choose what to talk about based on their life experiences. Because I think what when you know you've heard that book, write what you know or talk about what you know, they usually are more successful when they can pull something from their background and talk about that in the target language so you know right. I, it's not exactly like okay i want you know you you could choose you know writing or speaking or listening or whatever but it is still giving them power over the content mm-hmm. in which right. they're producing for me one thing i used to do um and i've gotten away from this and actually thinking about it now it was really good i had a um I created like a tic-tac-toe board i got this idea from an ela teacher but it had like at the top, it had listening, reading, writing, and speaking. Uh-huh. And then it had like worth one, three, and five points. So you had to get however many points yep. in a week or in a couple of days or something where you would like, and the one things were easy, but you'd obviously have to do more. And then yeah. the three points were immediate, you know. Like that. a choice board. Yeah. So they, they can choose their activities that you've set up. Um, and, you know, someone can be as easy as like get 100 Duolingo points or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, I, I mean, you could customize that for yourself, but. I really like that it was a lot of work on the front end of it, but giving them that agency really bought me more value. Right. Yeah, that's um, great. I love that idea. I'm thinking through as well as you guys were talking about, and it, it's more it's more for, I think, for the Spanish realm a lot of the times, but for those kids who are heritage speakers or who are native speakers, a lot of times creating agency for them is allowing them to be like a mini teacher in a way. And I'm thinking about a kid that I had who was not a heritage or native speaker. He just was really good at Spanish. He just taught himself how to, how to speak it. But a lot of times I would use him as like a assistant 
to go around to different tables and be like, hey, can I check in with you? Which and that it, worked well for you. I had yeah. two and they were not. One of them was my flesh and blood. But that yeah. didn't work out like I thought it would. Well, but and I think. Theoretically. Yeah. I think that, I think it really did like increase the participation for, because a lot, a lot of the times, I mean, in my experience, those kids just kind of feel bored. Like they're just like, I don't, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like yeah, I'm just no, here. Sure. To, I'm just here to fulfill my time. So like. Yeah. I think uh, in order for them to feel like it's worthwhile, maybe giving them a job, like I'm putting that in air quotes again, that's my signature move is doing air quotes when you can't see it. But I think to give them like a responsibility or a job, it really does kind of empower them to feel like, okay, I have a responsibility now. I can use what I already know to help somebody else. And you may have the stinker every yeah. once in a while that doesn't want to do that. But Which I, I take that back. I did have success with that one time. I had a student and she was my student aide and I was able to give her that responsibility mm-hmm. to check in with the groups. And so I have had that work successfully right, before, right. but it does take more intentionality on right. my part, which is like one more thing to plan. Yeah. It can yeah, yeah. something those top level for the higher kid. Something else that I was just thinking about as well was, and something that is really difficult, I think, for educators to do is to allow students to give you input on what you do. And what I mean by that is, if I do something, and I ask, I nine times out of ten, the first time that I ever do something, I will ask them what they thought about it afterwards. And that's really going to help me decide whether or not it was a good thing. Because for me, like, I think we all have like these really grand intentions of being like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the best activity I've ever done in my entire career. And then when it happens, it's like, and so I, I've really gotten into the habit of either doing like a little piece of paper or just like asking them out loud. I find that if I do the papers, it works better because they, they don't want to tell me. Right. I, I don't. I don't want to say that they don't want to tell me because a lot of kids will literally tell me to my face what they what they like and what they don't. But <laughs> a lot of kids, yeah, a lot of kids are. Um, a lot of kids are would be very like they would find that very anxious. They would be very anxious to do that. So I provide like a little piece of paper and be like, "What do you think about this activity and why?" And so I can take all that information and I can be like, "Okay, well they liked it, so I need to do it again," or they hated it, so I never need to do that again. Like or how to adjust it. Yeah, their notes might also be helpful that time. Right. Like how mm-hmm. you could adjust it. And I think that that's the important thing. There is that we're allowing them to have input on what we're doing. So a lot of times I think for teachers, especially like. I, uh, I just think that we're very like proud Mm. and I think that we're, we think we're the experts and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I wish you could see my face because I'm smiling about it, but I think that we're very like, we're very like, I'm the person that knows what I'm doing and I'm going to do the thing. And those kids don't know what they're talking about, but they're Mm -hmm. the ones that have to sit in the class with us for 90 minutes, five days a week. So it's really important to like have, let them be able to be, to have input on that, you know, and like really read the room too for us. What, what am I doing that they enjoy? Because Mm -hmm. I can do more things like that. If it's, if it's garnering engagement, if it's garnering buy-in and participation, of course you want to do that thing. You know, it's going to get old eventually, but then you'll have a new idea and you'll move on to the next thing, you know, but for me, like the big, big thing two years ago, not this past year that we just came out with, came out from, but the one before that, the huge thing in my classroom was gym kit. They loved that so much. And so I found a way to integrate that into my classroom, even if it was just for five minutes. And what I did was I used it as a bell ringer. So they walk in, they get on, they join GimKit and they loved it so much. Now the novelty has kind of worn off now, but because a lot of teachers are doing it, but at the time there weren't many people doing it. So it was really, and, and I got, I, I could tell that they were learning, you know, another thing, um, 
if you're going to, I just want to say this as a side note, but the best thing in my opinion to do with something like that, that's like a cooperative learning kind of game like that, like Gim Kit or Blook It, is just have a general list of words. So what I did was I did like top 50 Spanish verbs. And I just made them, I just made them play games with the top 50 Spanish verbs because what that did was that allowed me to be like, how do I say to run? And they just knew it. That I, they didn't have to think about it because they were playing the game with that word. How do I say to be? I love using it for that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea to use like a general yeah. all the time. It, just, and it, just from the beginning, like just from the beginning, because it, it really, it takes, it takes a while on their brain. It's hard on their brain in the beginning, but. As they play it and as they start to recognize those words, they will be able to recall yep. them so, so easily. Well, and it takes a certain level of humility, too, because I did have a kid. It was like my second year of teaching, I think. And um, did I tell the story already? Where he had to, we were doing this, the favorite kind of test that I really like to do. I really like Oh, yeah. He gave you the critique. When he matched it. Yeah. But he, the way he did it, though, made me really just stop and think about it. And that, but the humility, that was my point, is that it takes a certain amount of humility right. to hear that from them. And not everybody right. is willing to to do that. But because it's also a good like life lesson or human lesson yeah. for them too. like, I am older and, you know, have more yeah. education than you, but I can, there's still things that I can learn too. Right. Yeah. It's good for you. It's good for them to not to like you just to have that power, just be able to right. feel comfortable to say, I feel this way about what you did. And because a lot of people, a lot of adults in their lives are not giving that right. option. So I think it's a skill we need to right. teach them to be able to do. So that's just part of the yep. learning process as well, because they're, uh, it's, it's hard for, uh, it's hard to get some students to do that because they've never been asked to right. do that before. Mm-hmm. But once you make that part of the routine, the yeah. more comfortable it was. And it does give them more agency yeah. and feel more empowered in the classroom and hopefully eventually in, in their lives. Yeah. And I think it kind of helps them become more, I guess, succinct. But it, what I mean by that is like when they tell me they don't like something, they're not just like, man, this is the worst thing we've ever done. It's like, I didn't like that because like, I'm always looking for that because, you know, if you can't give me a why, then I don't care about your opinion. Like, I mean, no offense to anybody who thinks that, but for me, like, if you can't say why, then it's, it's, it doesn't matter to me. Um, yeah. So the next thing that I have, which I think is really important for us to discuss today is ineffective instructional methods. And what I mean by that is, Teaching grammar out of context. We kind of talked about this earlier with the relevance, but giving them the way that we've always been taught to and instructed to teach, which is here's the concept, here's the worksheet, here's the reading, next concept, next worksheet, next reading, without any sort of like fun factor or any sort of like just any, any like thing that might be. Uh, the impetus for them wanting to learn more about the thing. And what I wrote down was the use of traditional lecture-based teaching methods that do not actively involve students can hinder engagement, passive learning experiences, and a lack of interactivity can lead to disengagement and decreased motivation to learn. And also cheating. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, to be fair, it sort of lends itself to being being able to be cheated well because you're just – it's just like plug and chug. It's like yeah. Yeah. what they I say. That. Going back to my personal question statement. I mean, I've had so many students be like, well, you can't cheat on her quiz. It's just because she's going to ask you yeah. about yourself. Yeah. You know, like I can't. But yeah. Yeah. Random questions, not just this like rote. Yeah. You know, recall stuff. And I believe that that is one of the reasons why as a, as a teacher, I feel so strongly about moving away from like traditional testing, like methods, because 
Yeah, pen and paper can show you a lot of things, but something that we've started doing in the Spanish department here is Delia and I give oral final exams. And what that has done is like that's shown me for the kids who might be terrible at taking an exam, it's one on one, first of all. And it's just questions that we have created based around the topic that we're learning. So that you've been working on. Right. Years. So oh, like yeah. for example, uh, I was just trying to think of something. It reflexive verbs. Like what time do you get up? What time do you go to bed? What time do you get to well not what time do you get to school, but that's not reflexive. But you know, questions that are relevant to their lives. And it gives us an opportunity to have that one on one with them, but also it gives them an opportunity to really show us that they there's there is like an audible like you're going to be able to use that if you wanted to mm-hmm. in your life. Like, where do you go on the weekends? Where do you go with your friends? What do you like to do in your free time? Stuff like that. And that was all stuff that was that were on the finals from Spanish 1 and Spanish 2. So, Well, and y'all, I think y'all do this too, but in my world, I have, we do the popsicle stick questions. Yeah. So I have like six questions that they uh, answer before they come in the door every day, before we even do like bell work and stuff like that. So like, and that's the kind of thing that they're talking about too. They do those questions with every unit right. and they just collect them for this list that they then do at the end. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and it gives them sort of like a jumping off point for just like having conversations in, yeah. in another language. Yeah. Cause I think that's really the goal is, you know, we want to be able to like provide them a method to like have conversations that are real with people. That's all the time we have this week, but make sure to tune in in two weeks for the conclusion of our conversation on engagement, where we answer questions from you guys. In the meantime, we would love for you to join the conversation, so head on over to our Instagram at Linguist Lounge, where you can send us a DM or comment telling us your experience with engagement in your classroom. We would love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash linguistlounge, or you can send us an email at linguistlounge at gmail.com. Until next time, we look forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye. The Linguists would like to thank the following people for their help making this podcast possible. Christian Gaposi for use of your studio. You're the literal best. Our families for putting up with our crazy notions and allowing us to do it anyway. We love you all. Our friends for supporting and loving us. We are truly grateful for you. And to you for tuning in. We hope to see you again real soon. Intro and outro music by Brotheration Records. Podcast logo designed by Monday Morning Creative Studio.